uh, one of the fun things about the last 18 years working with uh, street youth and homeless youth has been getting to know a lot of their street names. Um, and and they're a lot of times claimed by themselves, other times given by other kids. For example, Big Bird is a big kid that we've known for years who has kind of a tuft of hair on the top of his head. Um, Biggie's another one. Big kid. Tiny's. No, two tinies. One is a huge kid called Tiny. Another's a actually a a kid that lived with us for a while and just real real small. Um, Raven. I um, it's a gal that I didn't even know that wasn't her name um, until I'd known her for several years and then found out that that was her street name. I didn't even know her real name. Red. Any idea? Why called red? Oh, good job, red hair. Yeah, you must uh, you must watch uh, Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> uh, psycho, uh, Ace, Snake, Cookie, Schmeagle, Hobbit, Shadow, Bubba, Cookie Monster, Phoenix, Mario. Um, just incredible different. Uh, names. Um, one of the ones that has stuck with me more than any other was a young man. Uh, John is his real name. Uh, his street name was Sen. He um, was a really angry and bitter young man. Uh, he actually had tattooed on his arm uh, Romans 623. Uh, kind of in mockery of Romans 6.23 that says the wages of sin is death uh, because of his just bitterness and anger over um, what had happened to him in his life. Uh, One of the things was he was in the juvenile detention center and um, his grandma, the only person that really he felt cared about him and that he cared about in the world, died while he was in the juvenile detention center and they wouldn't let him out to go to her funeral. Um, he was put in a mental institution for two years to try and control his behavior. And, and so he grew up angry at people, but, but mostly angry at God. Um, I got to know him really well. Um, we actually became really good friends um, because of a situation where one night at late night here, we, we used to meet downstairs here, um, he broke one of the rules, and so I told him he had to leave, and if he wanted to come back, he needed to apologize. Well, if you can imagine uh, a young man, angry and bitter, uh, really angry against authority, that was a hard thing for him to think about doing. So for four weeks, um, John and I had a standoff. Um, he would come every Friday night and he would stand out on the sidewalk and he would taunt me and he would say, go ahead, call the police. Uh, uh, Sidewalk's public property, so I couldn't do anything about it. And so we had this standoff one night 
during those four weeks, he brought a piece of paper and tried to get kids to, to sign a, um, a resolution to um, boycott the coffee oasis. Unfortunately, his friends, even though they liked him, liked coming here better, so none of them signed the petition. And so we had this standoff <clears throat> until after four weeks, he called me. Excuse me. After four weeks, he called me about an hour and a half before our late night was to start, and he said, so how can we break this? And I said, it's easy. You just have to say you're sorry. And, um, you know, it's one of the best things that probably we do at the Coffee Oasis (laughs) because for a lot of young people, it's given them the opportunity in in a loving environment to humble themselves and find out that they can be forgiven. It's it's really incredible. And so John did that and uh we built an incredible relationship. He was he's actually a world class um yo yoer. Is I don't is that the word yo yoer? Yo yoist. Um anyway, whatever it is, he he those little round things, you know, they'll go up and down with a string. He's, uh, he is incredible. He's uh, been in competitions all around the United States. And after he moved to Seattle, he would come back um, every month, every three months, eventually every six months, every year, and, and just because of the friendship we had built. But one of the things that, um, that grieved me in my relationship with, with John is despite the bond that we had built and the hundreds of conversations that we'd had, um, his street name never changed. <laughs> um, and John never changed as, as far as I'm aware. And, and he, the truth that would set him free from his bitterness and anger never happened. And uh, as far as I'm aware, John still goes by the name Sin. Um, how many of you have nicknames? Do you want to share? No, we won't have you share. Yeah, I, I did tell Cindy yesterday as I was talking to her about um, talking about street names and nicknames today that um, I just reminded her that my nickname was Sweetness. You know that? <laughs> how many of you believe that? No. <laughs> If you believe that, you'd believe anything. <laughs> but that's what I make her call me, just so it reminds her. <laughs> um, you know, in the Bible, names were a big deal. Uh, in my family, names were a big deal. All of, all of us were named after Bible characters. Um, um, our middle names named after our parents or grandparents, but in the Bible, names were important too. Um, Moses, he was pulled out of the water. Ishmael, um, the name that she gave because God appeared to her, and she says, God's a God who sees, and so Ishmael got his name. Uh, Isaac, laughter, because Sarah laughed when she heard that God told Abraham that she was going to have a boy when she was 90 years old. 
um, Abraham, father of many nations, Sarah, uh, that she was going to be um, the mother of many nations. Adam means man, Eve, the mother of all living. And, and so Bible in the Bible, names really referred to who a person was or who a person was expected to be. Daniel, God is my judge. Isaiah, God is my salvation. Um, and one of the things I love about the Bible and as we're coming into the Advent season is all of the names that we see that Jesus has been given. I was looking on the internet yesterday and there's a book that's called The Hundred Names of Jesus. Um, and it's incredible, all the all the names. There's a, a song, one of my favorite, probably original worship choruses goes like this. It says, Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. Uh, and, and why all these names? Why, why did Jesus have so many names? And, and I think the, the simple answer to that is, is because it's to put across to us that the one who was promised, the coming deliverer, the promised deliverer, would be to us everything we need. And that kind of sounds, in a world where we have specialists for everything, right? You know, I think back in the, back in the old day, maybe that was my day, the... Um, we had mostly primary care physicians. We had family doctors. But now we have doctors for everything, don't we? I mean, you have a doctor for your your little finger. I mean, not just hand doctors, but if you... No, I'm just joking. The, uh, <laughs> you're like, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, and in an age where we have specialists for everything, I think it can be hard for us to think that there can be one person that can be the answer to everything. But I think that's the incredible news that we get from all of these names of Jesus that are to tell us that Jesus is the answer to everything that we need. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's what we're going to be looking at over the next four weeks. And especially this morning, this wonderful counselor. What what does that mean that Jesus would be our wonderful counselor? Um, I was looking up. In the United States in 2015... There's estimated to be 665,500 counselors, paid counselors. That's a lot, huh? 665,500 professional paid counselors. And that doesn't include uh, individuals like me, pastors who do a bit of counseling also, or friends who counsel friends and the the statistics are that friends counseling friends, caring friends counseling friends can be the most successful form of counseling. Uh, 
we obviously live in a world when we have that many counselors where we realize how much we need counsel, right? I mean, how broken we are. Whether it's for grief that we're going through or addictions that we're battling or depression or anxiety or or marriage or relational issues or... uh, Feelings of rejection or loneliness or attachment issues. I mean, there's we are a broken people that that need counseling, that need someone or someones to come alongside us and provide for us encouragement and help. And so Jesus is called a wonderful counselor. Um, the in the Old Testament, the word counselor appears 25 times. And it, counselors are called wise, they're called cunning, they're called shrewd, they're called insightful. Ahithophel, in Second Samuel 16, 23, it says that his counsel was like that of one who inquires of God. He was a, a man who David and Absalom looked at his counsel as if somebody was talking to God. It was so wise. Um, And yet the incredible thing is, is that when Absalom rebelled against David, he rejected Ahithophel's counsel. (coughs) He rejected Ahithophel's counsel because God made his counsel foolish in order to preserve David's kingdom. But in all those 25 times where the word counselor is mentioned, there's only one time, I mean, even though counselors are called wise, cunning, shrewd, insightful, there's only one time where the word wonderful is attached to the word counselor, and that's in Isaiah 9.6, where the name of the promised Messiah will be called Wonderful Counselor. And, you know, for me, this is, I, I, was, I was telling Cindy yesterday, this is what I love about Bible study. Um, you know, opening up God's word and saying, why is that? Why is the promised Messiah alone who became Jesus, why was Jesus alone called Wonderful Counselor? And so I did what any of you could do. I did a concordance study. (coughs) And I looked up the word in Isaiah 9-6 that is wonderful, that is translated wonderful. And... um, what you have to do, though, if you're going to do this, you have to look actually in like a Strong's Concordance because it tells you what the Hebrew word is. And then it'll show you all the places where that word appears. And it's interesting. I'm going to go through a few of them as we try to wrestle with what does it mean that Jesus was a wonderful counselor and, and why is that so important to us? In Genesis 18, 13 and 14, I referred to this earlier when I was referring to Isaac's name, he said, The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to put a cough drop in. Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? And I think most of us would have laughed. Sarah was going to be 90 years old. Abraham, 100 years old. 
most people don't have kids that old. <coughs> and so she laughed. But this is what God asked Abraham. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Do you know which word in that question is the same one as Isaiah 9.6? The word hard. The same word. Is anything too, you could say, wonderful for the Lord? Anything too impossible, difficult? <coughs> and it's actually, it's obviously a, a question where the answer is no. Exodus 3.20 God says, I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders, that's the same word, that I will perform among them. All the miraculous. And God is referring to the ten plagues of Egypt that that he poured out on Egypt to show them that he was God and there was no other like him. I experienced this in the kitchen a couple of weeks ago. Uh, One of the plagues of Egypt um, when I cleaned the grease trap, how many of you have cleaned a grease trap? You're unfortunate people. Yeah. <laughs> I've cleaned a lot of grease traps, and this was the worst one. I opened up the grease trap. I took the lid off of it. And, you know, when you open it up, it, it's, it smells really bad. And then you scoop out the grease, you put gloves on. I can tell you how to do it later if you'd like to do it with me next time. <laughs> and, but I experienced something I never experienced before. I opened the lid, and the top of the grease must have been covered with literally thousands of fruit flies. And I took off the lid, and it was like the swarm of flies or gnats. <laughs> so it helped me to understand the wonders no, <laughs> the, uh, a little bit more. Exodus 15:11 Who among the gods is like you Lord who is like you majestic in holiness awesome in glory working wonders that's the same word working miracles working what nobody else could work doing what nobody else could do Exodus 34:10 The Lord said I am making a covenant with you before all your people I will do wonders that's the same word never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Get the idea what this word wonders or wonderful is about? It's about what nobody else could do but God. This is my favorite occurrence in Judges 13, where the angel of the Lord who is a description of Jesus appearing before he was actually born in Bethlehem. He appears as the angel of the Lord several times in the Old Testament. He appears to the mother of who's going to be the mother of Samuel, prophesying that Samuel's going to be born, excuse me, Samson, that Samson's going to be born. She goes to her husband, Manoah, and together they ask that the angel of the Lord would come back, and he does. And he performs for them miracles and promises that um, what he has said is going to come about and that Samson's going to be born and he's going to be a deliverer of Israel. This is what Manoah asks. He says, 
what is your name so that we may honor you when your word comes true? And the angel of the Lord replies, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Same word. My name is wonderful, meaning my name is like no other name. My name is incomprehensible. You can't know who I am. My name is wonderful. Uh, if you want to turn to Psalm 139, I just want to read. This is one more occurrence where this word appears. You can see there's a lot of different contexts and ways that the word appears. But every one of them carries the same context of supernatural, miraculous, incomprehensible. In Psalm 139, verse 1, the psalmist David says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. I mean, God knows my thoughts, David says. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. There's nothing that I can do that you don't know about. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. That's incredible. Before I speak, David says, you know what I'm going to speak. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Verse 6, this is the word. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. David says, I, I can't even begin to grasp, God, who you are and the God that you are to me. You know, the, the point here is that going back to the beginning, we live in a, a, a really broken world. Um, Cindy came home Yesterday I was I, I was home and I was studying and Cindy was out and about shopping and then she visited several people and she came home and <clears throat> we actually sat down and we talked and we prayed together for a bunch of people because as she was out visiting a bunch of people it just she came back and shared just ways that we didn't even know the heartache and the pain that a bunch of our brothers and sisters were going through. I mean, the, the addictions that individuals were struggling, or, or family, members were, family members were struggling with, the grief that maybe some of you are struggling with right now because a loved one who is sick or, or hurting. Uh, we're in a, we live in a broken world, and, and it's a world where there's, where there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of counselors coming alongside to give advice and, and, and a lot of them really wise and helpful. But I think the point here in the promise of Jesus being the wonderful counselor is what we really need. And I'm really conscious of this as I meet with people, like I said, all the time doing marriage counseling or, or counseling of individuals. And I, as I share with them God's word or as I meet with them and and help them wrestle through issues in their lives or ways that reconciliation or, or, or resolve can happen to issues that they're dealing with, so often I'm, I'm aware that my words, they're, they're words. And often without power. 
In 1 Corinthians, it says the kingdom of God isn't just about words, but about power. And I think that's the point here. And, and the promise and the hope of this one who would come, who would be the wonderful counselor, that he would be one coming not just to give advice and not just to speak words into a situation, but his words would have power. And so when Jesus came, we saw that that was true. And people said, man, he speaks like no one else has ever spoke. It says that people hung on to his words because as he spoke, <coughs> his words actually brought healing. His, actual, his words actually brought deliverance and actually brought freedom and actually brought comfort and actually brought peace. Um, because he was this wonderful counselor. He was, a, he was God himself pouring healing into individuals as he came alongside them. Wouldn't it have been amazing to have Jesus, or wouldn't it be amazing to have Jesus as our counselor? I mean, what we're struggling with, whether it's struggling with a loved one that's struggling, or our own struggles, financial struggles, future direction struggles, I mean, all the things that we can struggle with in our brokenness, wouldn't it be incredible? Somebody could come up to you and say, who's your counselor? God. I mean, I mean, as Jesus walked the face of this earth to, to have Jesus in the same way walking amongst us as a wonderful counselor, speaking words of life and healing and wholeness, and comfort and peace and freedom that actually, not just words, but actually reach into our soul and actually brings freedom and healing and wholeness. Well, you know, there's good news. Turn with me to John 14. I'm just going to read this verse and then we'll wrap it up. John 14. As Jesus was getting ready to, he knew that his, the cross was, was coming and he was soon to hang on the cross and pay the price of our sins, break the power of death as he would go into the grave and rise from the grave. He was soon to go back to his father. In preparing his followers for this, in John 14, look at verse 16. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The, the word is paraclete. And it means called alongside. It's also translated helper, or counselor, or comforter. Jesus says, I will ask the Father as I leave, and he will give you another counselor to help you and be with you forever. <clears throat> Jesus is leaving. He says, this counselor will come and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Get this. For he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is speaking to his followers, those who 
have believed who he is. And he's saying, if, if you're here this morning and, and you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus is saying, I will not leave you orphans for this spirit of truth, this counselor will live with you and be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The wonderful counselor. You know, the neat thing is, as we look at Luke chapter 4, and it says, as Jesus was beginning his ministry as a wonderful counselor, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me, and he says, to give sight to the blind and, and to free those who oppress and deliver the captives. And so the incredible thing is Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He did his coming alongside, and, and I like to call them power words, <laughs> power that, that's what it, it wasn't just words but it was words that had power to actually free and deliver and instill comfort and peace and bring hope and he did that all in the power of the spirit and so when he left and said i'm leaving you another counselor he was leaving to be with us and in us the same one who empowered him to do his counseling as he walked the face of the earth. We don't have to be without a counselor. It doesn't need mean that we don't need one another or we may not need another counselor to come alongside and encourage. And, but it means that every one of us who is in Christ, a follower of Jesus, a child of God, has this same wonderful counselor at our disposal, in the midst of our feelings of rejection. or uh, I was talking to a young man uh, just the last few days, and his story, like so many others, just ripped my heart apart. As he talked about his mom, who's a meth addict, and so he got kicked out of his home. He went into a grandparent's home, was abused by the grandparents, so was put into foster homes, one foster home after another, until he was adopted at the age of 12. The night before his 18th birthday, his adoptive parents kicked him out. Goes back to his biological mom, who's a meth addict still dying of cancer. So he comes back here told by his adoptive parents they'd, they'd never want to see him. They'll kill him if they see him. Unless he gets a job and earns money and then he can come back. To which he told me so that they can take my money like they always did. Can you imagine that pain? Uh, that that young man's going through? But that's why we have a wonderful counselor. I mean, I don't care if it's that young man or or my friend John's sin or the myriad of other young people that pass through these doors or you or a loved one struggling with grief or addictions or rejection or it doesn't matter. We have, we have a wonderful counselor. 
So what do we do? I'd like to just close by saying this. We need, to, we need to take advantage of our wonderful counselor. We need to be individuals, number one, who understanding that we aren't alone, that we aren't without help, but that we have living within us God Almighty who wants to minister to us healing and hope and peace and freedom. We have that God I don't like to use the word, but at our disposal. He has made himself available to us to offer us those things as our wonderful counselor. We need to, we need to access him. We need to say, God, Holy Spirit, heal me, fill me, comfort me, change me. And then we need to be that to each other. I, even in preparing for this sermon, I was... I was convicted of how often as I spend time with individuals or as a friend or a counselor come alongside individuals, how often it's easy for me to, to use wise words, even God's words. But how I was reminded in, in studying for this sermon that I have and you have the Holy Spirit within us so that we can, in the power of the Holy Spirit, minister true counsel not just words of truth but healing words freeing words peaceful words comforting words that can truly not just be words but words with power to bring freedom and life and hope and comfort and peace to one another because Jesus is our wonderful counselor and he's given us his spirit to be our wonderful counselor so we can be a people in the midst of brokenness who are whole and free in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, thank you that these aren't just words. These are your words and they're, they're words that you have given us that are true words to provide our healing and our wholeness in the power of your spirit, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen.